Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at the district.church. large task of being able to, there I am, uh, we've given you a large task of passing out close to 15,000 um, flyers that are going to canvas the majority of our neighborhoods up here on the northeast side, and so we're super excited for you to be able to do that. Um, also, they're going to be doing several car washes um, just to be able to serve our community and, again, to continue um, having conversations about the gospel um, as well as just the church that's here to serve our community. So we're excited about that um, and having you guys here this week for us. Um, in addition, what we're doing, um, we have three weeks, like I said, leading up until the launch. Um, and so today, next week, and the following week, we're going to be doing a mini-series on the, uh, the vision of our church. And so this week, we're going to be looking at gospel-centered worship. Next week, we'll look at gospel-centered discipleship. Josh will be preaching that one. Um, and then the following week, we'll be doing gospel-centered multiplication. Uh, we're doing this to continue um, not only just relaying that to new people who come in and join, but also as a refresher for our people themselves um, because we want to keep pushing forth to everyone, hey, this is why we're here. This is what we're about. We're about seeing the gospel continue to advance. Um, we're about seeing people come into a worshipful relationship with God. We want to then be able to disciple them in the gospel, to grow in the gospel, and we want to see that multiply out as they're able to take the gospel and begin to share it with new people. Um, as that kind of overflows, what we're going to see from that is more churches being planted, not only here in Indianapolis, but in the Midwest, in the nation, and then overseas as well. Um, and so this is why we're taking this time to just flesh out even that much more the vision of the church. And so today, like I said, we're going to be jumping into gospel-centered worship. And before we jump into what that is, I want us to read together Psalm 100. And so if you have your Bibles or if you have a phone with your Bible on it, um, go ahead and open that up to Psalm 100. If you don't have a Bible, there's also a hardback black one around you somewhere. You can use that Bible as well. Um, and then if that is uh, too much for you and you just really want to be lazy, it's going to be on the screen as well. Um, and so you can definitely look up there. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'm going to start out reading this along with you. And because I want you to read it loud, as I start going through, I'm going to drop out and you're just going to take over. All right. Um, so we're going to read this aloud. Psalm 100. It's just five verses. Um, so it's not going to take too long. But here's what we're going to look at. Psalm 100. So starting with me. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing.
I pray God blesses the reading of his word, um, that through it it would reveal more of his son Jesus to us, that we would become more like him and honor him with praise, and in that we would also receive the utmost joy and satisfaction. And so Father, as we enter into this time of just receiving instruction, um, as we open up your word, my prayer is that your spirit would move in our minds and in our hearts um, and that you would continue revealing your son Jesus because we know that pleases you. God, we're here to honor you. We're here to worship you. Um, and in that place of worshiping and honoring you, we receive joy. We receive satisfaction. Um, we receive that void that we always feel when we're looking to the world for things rather than looking to you. And so God, be that for us. Be our satisfaction today. And in that, we, we ask that we would also be able to come to you and honor you, and worship you. And Father, as we go through this idea of what it means to worship, um, I pray that for some of us, maybe a light bulb would go off in our minds, uh, that we would understand worship in a greater capacity than what we've always thought it to be, or that we would see it in a new light, that we would see it more than, than music, more than just a, a quiet time in the morning, more than just listening to K-Love on the radio, or whatever it is that we listen to that we would see that worship does encompass all aspects of our life. And there's a way, there's a design in which you've created for us to live that honors and worships you and brings the most joy for us. Father, it's in this time that we pray for your spirit to move and that you would receive glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, in these verses, there is a lot of action going on. There's a lot of posture that we're seeing here. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of things that we are doing in these verses that orient our lives around the goodness of God. It orients our lives to be able to see who he is rightly, which when we see who he is rightly allows us to be able to, to learn how we are to then worship him and adore him and to treasure him um, and, and to just cherish him for who he is. Um, as you see in these verses, because his steadfast love endures forever, because the Lord is good and because um, he's faithful to all generations, we are to make a joyful noise to him. We are to serve him. We are to come into his presence with singing. We are to know the Lord and we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and with courts um, and his courts with praise and to bless his name. Now, those actions are not just things that we are to do for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Because there's a lot of times people, when they hear verses like this, come into his courts with praise and thanksgiving, come into his courts and sing praises to him. Like that's a lot of times we think that's just the Sunday morning worship service. Um, but these things are not meant to just be that, but rather they're meant to be rhythms or patterns that we see in our life on a daily basis. We're designed to sing. Maybe not beautifully for some of you, and that's okay. Um, I'm not designed to sing beautifully, uh, so I always try to make sure the sound is at least high enough to where I can't hear myself. Um, but at the end of the day, we are called to make a joyful noise to sing to Him. We're, called, we're designed to give thanks. We're designed to bless, which, which simply means to speak highly of. Everyone is designed to do this, and here's what we know universally. Universally, if you were to go into any major metropolitan city, um, even universal cities like Hong Kong, Beijing, or uh, London, Paris. If you were to go into um, New York City, what you're going to see universally 
is there are all people, they're going to do three things. They're going to love, they're going to celebrate, and they're going to, to share. They're going to love, celebrate, and they're going to share. Even if you go into remote places, like if you go into deep, dark Africa, if you go into the villages of Haiti, if you go into my hometown of rural Tennessee, what you're also going to find in those places are people who are loving, who are celebrating, and they're sharing. We were designed to do this. And some of you might be thinking, well, I know of kids who are three years old who don't share with one another. I'm not talking about sharing as in giving things away. What I'm talking about is we include others in what we love and celebrate. That's, that's the way we were designed to do this. So we're constantly going to go around and anytime that we love and celebrate something, we're going to pull other people into this and we're going to say, you should love and celebrate this with me. You should enjoy this with me. You should experience this with me because this thing is awesome. Like there's no one in here who can say, I'm not designed to do that. I'm not designed to love and to celebrate and to share. Because what you'll do then is you'll then try including other people. You should not come. You should come and not love and celebrate and share with me. But then all of a sudden now you have a group of people who are experiencing the same thing of loving and celebrating and sharing the fact that they're trying to not love and celebrate and share. And so we're all designed to include others in what we hold value, what we love. You can't help but do this because you were designed this way. And it's what ultimately we as Christians call worship. When you're loving, when you're celebrating, when you're sharing, it's worshiping. Now, what we worship varies. What we worship all over the world varies, and that's what's caused the issue. It's not an issue of whether or not you worship. It's an issue of what you worship. For example, we moved here about just over a year ago. Uh, My wife and I, we moved here from Miami, Florida. And upon moving here, I love burger joints. Like, that's just one of my favorite things is a good burger. Like, the way to my heart is going to be through root beer, a burger, and a chocolate chip cookie. Like, those three things I could have for breakfast, I could have it for lunch, and I could have it for dinner, and I'm going to worship all day long um, because I just really enjoy them. And so upon moving here, I have all kinds of new people that I'm meeting, and I'm telling them this is what I enjoy. And so they're now loving and celebrating and sharing with me, you need to go to Rocket Fizz because they have a root beer wall. Like, it's literally like, if you're downtown at any point this week, stop by Rocket Fizz on the circle. They literally have a wall of root beers that are like 60 different brands of bottled root beers. And I just came in and started from the left and have just been working my way down. Um, until one time the store changed it up and they rearranged them and it threw me off. And so I just started over, like just working my way down from the left. I love it. And so, but then at the same time, people were telling me, you need to go try this burger joint. You need to go to Bub's Burgers. You need to go to 20 Tap. You need to go to Fat Dan's, 317 Burger, Punch Burger, like all these different ones. And yes, I have tried all of those um, and a lot more that I haven't even mentioned. The verdict is still out on me as far as which one is the best. If you want like a good home-cooked kind of grilled burger, Bub's is the place to go. But if you want more of like a kind of a frou-frou burger that's kind of a little bit higher end, Brew Burger's another good place to go. And so I'm getting off on a tangent here because I love them that much. But at the end of the day, people, what were they doing? They were evangelizing burgers because they were designed to do that. Like we're designed to, like, Pokemon Go. I have to mention it, all right? 
I have to say something about it because it is like taking over everything. I mean, there's like, I was even just expecting some of you to start getting up and like, oh, there's one in the back corner. Like, we got to go get it right now. Um, but the realization is Pokemon Go, it, it wasn't this major marketing campaign in which they got it in front of everybody and spent billions of dollars. No, they just released an app. And what do you do? You were the one who spread the marketing on it. Because as soon as it came available, everyone's running to their friends and saying, you got to hear, like, look at Pokemon Go, look at this app. You can get hit by a car, but it's all right. Like, this thing is going to be amazing. Like, this is enjoyable. So come do this with me because I want you to love and celebrate finding Pokemon in, in strangers' yards. Like, it's enjoyable. But so we were designed to do this, and this is what we're going to do. You're going to include others in what stimulates your affections. We can't help but do this. Now, I want to mention briefly here a couple of points about worship before we provide some instruction on how you can be gospel-centered in your worship. And the first thing is this. You can probably trace all the pain of your life back to worshiping the wrong thing. I'll say that again. You can probably trace all the pain of your life back to worshiping the wrong thing. Because a lot of us bank our affections on something that was never meant to bear the weight of our worship. What I mean by that is if you're married, you might try to bank your, your worship on your spouse, expecting them to provide for you something that's going to produce worship. And as soon as they fail, all of a sudden now you've created within you this anger, this bitterness, uh, uh, this, this disappointment in them because they were never meant to do what you're holding them to do by worshiping them. If you're banking it on children, children are not going to satisfy you. Like, I guarantee I could probably ask any of your parents back in Michigan, do you find complete satisfaction and worship in your children? And they're going to say, absolutely not. I was a youth pastor for six years. I heard all the complaints from parents. Um, and so, because at the end of the... I know, I love you guys. Again, I'm thankful for your being here. But anyways... At the end of the day, like there's going to be pain if they're banking their satisfaction on you being perfect. And it's not going to work. If you're banking it on jobs and the job being the thing that satisfies you the most, it's going to crumble underneath you and you're going to move from job to job to job. It's never going to hold up the weight of worship. It's never going to satisfy what you're hoping to get out of it. And so again... Worship is not meant um, to be what brings your ultimate satisfaction when you look to creation, but rather it's meant to be satisfaction for when we ultimately worship God for who He is and what He's done for us. Another thing that I want to be clear about is when we think about worship, a lot of times we think about the music portion of a, worship, of a service. Uh, we, we, if I were to come in here and say, let's, let's worship the Lord, a lot of us is going to think, Let's get up, let's play some music, let's sing some songs because that's the worship time. And we, we, we call them worship leaders. We call them worship pastors. We, we, we say we're going to have a time of worship. And if we were to take worship and just say that it's the time of music, then we would actually devalue worship for what it encompasses completely. Yes, music is a part of worship. Like it says, make a joyful noise to him. Let's sing together. Let's sing praises to him. Let's come into his courts with singing. And one of the actually interesting things about, about music is when 
when C.S. Lewis, before he became a believer, the guy who wrote Chronicles of Narnia, before he became a believer, he read the book of Psalms. And the Psalms are filled all with music and making melody to the Lord and singing praises to Him, playing instruments, making loud noise to God. It's full of that. And what C.S. Lewis saw was he read through the Psalms and he felt like the Psalms were God being this old woman who's demanding praises. That's what he thought God was, was just this old woman who needed some compliments. But what he realized upon getting saved and upon understanding the gospel was the music time, our worship is never meant to provide something for God that he's lacking, but it's rather meant to involve us in something that we're lacking, involve us in something that we need, not that God needs. God never has a tough day. Like God never wakes up in the morning and is like, I just don't know what I'm going to do today. I I need some people to sing some songs to me in order to re-energize myself so that I can go out and do the work that I need to do. Like God never thinks about that. He's never late to anything. He's never worried about anything. He doesn't need our praises. So why does he demand praises from us is because we need to praise him because that completes something in us. For example... If you see a really good movie, don't you have to tell somebody about it? What does that do for you when you tell somebody about a really good movie that you saw? It completes the satisfaction that you had in the movie. Or like for for me, like if I go somewhere and I eat a really good burger, I have to tell somebody. If I don't tell somebody, I feel like it's like bottling up within me. Like I have to share with someone the experience, the joy that I'm feeling from having a burger. And so I'm going to go and I'm going to tell that. And until I tell that to them, I'm not complete in my worship. I'm not complete in what I'm loving and celebrating and sharing. And so this is what God has done in the way that he's designed us to work and function is we get to experience the grace and the mercy. We get to experience, experience all the common good that he does in bringing up the sun, bringing the rain, providing the flavors. This is why I can talk about burgers so much is because God thought of those flavors. He created the cows, bless the cows. He created the seasonings. He created the cheese and the lettuce and all these things to come together and form the flavor of a burger. He thought that up and he is good for doing that. And because he's good, I get to enjoy the burger, but then I get to roll past it and say, God, you are so good. You are so good for what you have created. Fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. If it's Pokemon Go, like he created the the minds of the people who put that thing together. So as you're enjoying playing it, remember God is good. It, it might be for ice cream for you. Like there's, a, I wanted to love, celebrate, and share another thing with you. There's a place downtown, if you get the time, on Mass Ave called Sub Zero. They literally make the ice cream in front of you using liquid nitrogen. It's crazy. You get to pick your base. You get to pick your flavor, throw your toppings inside of it. It's just a huge bowl, looks kind of like cereal. They shoot that thing with liquid nitrogen, start mixing it, and then you've got ice cream in front of you. It's not like wizardry. Like I promise you, like it's, it's amazing stuff. So anyways, like for some people, there's going to be this flavor of ice cream that just produces joy within them. And in that moment, you get to say, man, God, you are amazing because you thought this up. 
You are so good. The way he's designed relationships to work and function are meant for us to enjoy those relationships, whether it's a friendship that you have, whether it's a, a marriage between you and your spouse, whether it's a relationship with children. We're meant to enjoy these things, but worship was never meant to terminate on those specific things, but to roll past them in order for us to say, God, you are good for this design. You are amazing. You are awesome. And in this, we get to sit back. Again, it completes our worship. It completes our joy. A couple other places that mention worship. Romans 12, 1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, he says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I, I love this verse because, again, I, as you can tell, I like to eat and drink, and, and I, I like those aspects of worship. But then also he just throws it in there. In case you're wondering if there's anything else that you can do, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Went rock climbing this past week with a friend of mine. Truly enjoyed rock climbing. In that moment, remember just thinking, God, thank you so much for just the muscles that I have to be able to, I'm not like, I'm not saying I have big muscles. I'm just saying like, thank you for the ability to have arms and legs to be able to, to actually climb a wall and enjoy this with a friend of mine. I went running yesterday morning. It was more of a walk, but kind of a run um, where we're just walking around and we're looking at houses that have been built by hands, built by contractors, built by construction guys. And I'm just looking at these houses. These houses are amazing. Like, like, Lord, you are so good based on the way you've designed everything to work and function. We get to enjoy it, but ultimately, God, you get the credit for it. You are amazing. So two things I want to say to mention for us in order to reorient ourselves so that worship can be gospel-centered. And these two things are going to be gathered worship and scattered worship. Here's the two aspects, the two kind of umbrellas that you're always going to function under in order to worship. One is gathered worship, which is what we are doing today. The other is scattered worship, which means as soon as you leave from this place, you're in scattered worship. We just, you're scattering, like you're leaving from the corporate worship service and moving out into the individual lifestyle that you have. And in both of these categories, we are called to worship God at all times. And so beginning with the gathering, Leviticus chapter 8, I know you're excited, you're like, Leviticus, I just love that book. I memorize it all the time, like it's, it's a phenomenal book. But Leviticus chapter 8, verse 1 through five. I'm going to read it, but I'm going to wait for you to go ahead and turn there with me. I want you to see it yourselves. Um, Leviticus chapter eight, picking it up in verse one. Leviticus chapter eight, picking it up in verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, take Aaron and his sons with him and the garments and the anointing oil and the bowl of the sin offering and the two rams, and the basket of unleavened bread, and assemble all the congregation at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. And the congregation was assembled at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded to be done. So we see here 
that the Lord has commanded Moses to literally gather the congregation, to gather the people of God together. And we not only see this here, but we see this throughout the entire Old Testament. We see this throughout the New Testament. God commanding the people to gather together for him to do something among them corporately that he would not do among them individually. Now listen to me when I say that. I want you to capture that because this is why the corporate gathering is so important is when God gathers the congregation together, when he gathers the people together, the church, in those moments, there are times, I'm not saying it's all times, but there are times when God does something among the corporate gathering that he does not do among individual lifestyles. So there are moments that we, we talk about the presence of God. And a lot of times you might have heard the term God is omnipresent, which means God is in all places at all times in his fullness. All right? He's at all places at all times in his fullness. So I'm not saying that God shows up and is, and is more present here than he is in your individual life. But what I am saying is that in these moments, there are times when God does a special presence. There's a, a manifestation of his grace that is greater in the times of the gathering than in times when you were individual. And it's not to say that there can't be incredible special moments in your individual lifestyle, but there's something special that happens when the corporate saints gather together to worship him. And here's the reality, too, is it's not going to happen every single week. It's going to look different at times. There's going to be times where we come in here and you might feel something more than what you felt the, pre the previous week. Might come in here and it just seems like the band is just like glowing or like, you know, whenever Jordan's up here like riffing on the guitar, it might seem like he's levitating or something like, like there's just might be times where you just think, man, today just seemed awesome. Like today just feels like there's just a thicker presence of the spirit in here. And there are moments when that happens there are moments when God does that in specific ways. And then there's other weeks where you come in here and you're like, you know what, it just, it kind of feels dry. It doesn't mean that God is not here. But what it does mean are there's moments where we pray, where we're hoping God to show up and do something. Where every single week when we gather, it's a step of growth for us. But there's moments where when we gather, it's a leap of growth for us. Where God does things that, that we're not necessarily expecting him to do. Like I said, it doesn't mean that every time we come in here that you're expecting it to be Thursday night youth camp. And if you don't know what I mean by that, Thursday night youth camp is usually the night where it just explodes. And it's you've got people coming down front. They're just tears are flowing. Like the speaker um, is just speaking with authority. You have no idea what he's saying, but you feel like you understand every single thing that he's saying. Like in those moments, a lot of times we're hoping that to happen, but it's not going to happen every single week. But what we know is going to happen every single week in the gathering is we're going to come, we're going to orient ourselves around the Word of God. That's the reason why we create these services is so that we can get to the Word of God. So that we can come together, we can create an opportunity for the, the community of Nora, the community of Castleton, the community of the northeast of Indianapolis. We can come together and create an opportunity for the word of God to be preached, for the word of God to be prayed, for the word of God to be sung, for the word of God to be shown off 
so that in the preaching of the word, God reveals his son Jesus, people get saved, people get discipled, people get multiplied out as they are sent out into other communities and continue advancing the gospel. This is the reason for the corporate gathering. This is why we do this. Not only that, but the corporate gathering is meant to be a togetherness of the disciples. Like this is the Jesus in me meeting the Jesus in you. Like there's things that I get to experience individually when I'm studying, when I'm praying, when I'm preparing sermons, when I'm just out in the community and I'm meeting people. I get to experience those things individually. But when I come in here, I get to experience all of the things that Jesus is doing in each of our lives together as we share testimony, as we have conversations with one another, as we come in and sing songs that stir up our affections, that stir up our hearts to love and praise him more. This is the corporate gathering. And so we have scriptures um, like Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So he's basically saying, let us come together so that we can stir up the affections of one another. And let's not neglect to do that because in doing that, we're missing out on something that God has designed to be a part of our growth to be a part of our sanctification, to be a part of our understanding him to a deeper level. So we're meant to gather together as saints. That's why we call this the worship gathering. How do gatherings look and function? Like I said, there's going to be a lot of different elements to it. There's going to be music. There's going to be preaching. There's going to be prayer. There's going to be the elements, which are communion that we're going to take at the end of the service. There's going to be moments of baptism that we take together um, when we bring people down and they've come to know Christ. They've, they've confessed sins. And what we're showing um, by illustration and baptism is the fact that their old life has been buried with Christ and they've been raised to a new life where they're now able to walk in this new design. And so we celebrate baptism, which is just one person telling the world, this is who I trust in. This is my new identity. It is Christ and Christ alone. And so these are the aspects of service. There's also going to be moments of testimony where we'll put together videos of people talking about things that Christ is doing in their life. And again, why do we do that? We do that because we are designed to love, to celebrate, and to share with one another all that God is doing. Mike Cosper, who's a pastor down in Louisville, says this in his books, Rhythms of Grace. Gathering with God's people was part of an identity-shaping rhythm of life. So gathering together helps shape the identity of who you are that then flows into how you live your life. And so if you want to live your life in a way that honors Christ, don't neglect the gathering. Don't neglect coming together in corporate worship. This is worshiping God as we gather together. Gathered worship then also feeds scattered worship, which is building up and equipping worshipers to live individually in the power and wonder of the gospel. Colossians 3, 16 through 17 expresses this paradigm of the gathered worship and scattered worship as it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That's the gathered worship, doing that together. And then goes on, similar to 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
That's our scattered worship. And so if, if you're kind of asking the question, what then does my daily life look like when, I, when I'm supposed to worship God? Well, the corporate gathering is basically a practice. The corporate gathering is like a, a, a rough um, outline of what your individual life is supposed to look like. And so we actually, we, we structure our services to, to be a pattern for you to live out daily. And so what I mean by that is Josh, when he first came up, one of our pastors, he came up to lead us in exaltation, which was starting off the service by saying, hey guys, look, our, our focus, our attention can be on a lot of different things. But what I want to do is bring our attention to the Lord so that we can look to him, so that we can honor him, we can lift him up, we can focus our attention and our worship to the object of our worship, which is ultimately God. And so we start that so that throughout the week, when you wake up in the morning, you do the same thing. That when you wake up in the morning, you orient your life, you orient your mind, your heart, your affections to look to God and say, God, you're good. You are awesome. You're majestic. You are deserving of praise. You are deserving of my life today. You are deserving of me offering my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing and acceptable to you. This is my spiritual worship to you. So we start our mornings off acknowledging him for who he is. And then we went into a time in our service of confession and proclamation. And so that's when we, when we look to God, when we see God for who he is, what that also is going to do is that's going to reveal our imperfections, right? Because when we see Jesus in his perfection, it reveals to us our imperfections. And so because of Jesus at the cross has, has borne all of our weight of our sin, and has forgiven us when we continue to sin. We are free to come to him on a daily basis and say, Lord, here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I'm not trusting you. Here's where I'm still off in my design. Here's where I'm, I'm, I'm still worshiping creation rather than worshiping you. I'm looking at the burger and I'm only thinking about the burger when I should look past it and see that you're good. And so there's things that, we, that distract us and pull us and terminate our worship on it. And in those moments, we're able to now come to God and say, Lord, here's where I've been struggling. Here's where I have sinned. And I get to freely come and confess to you. Just like the prodigal son who freely came and confessed to the father. What did the father do? The father came and ran to him and clothed him based on the identity that he was his son, not the identity that he was a prodigal. And so what does God do for us is God, as we come to him with our confession, he's running to us and he's clothing us with righteousness because that's our identity. He's not coming to us with the disappointment of, I can't believe what you did with my, with my good things that I gave you, with the gifts that I gave you. I can't believe you're worshiping your spouse over worshiping me. No, when we come to him and say, I'm confessing my sin to you, he's saying, you're my son. You're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. I'm wrapping my arms around you because I love you. I forgive you. This is a moment in which we're going to grow in this. I'm going to give you the grace and the strength that you need in order to overcome the temptation to do this again. So we're going to grow in that. So we have a time of confession and then we proclaim the gospel over ourselves. We proclaim the fact that because Jesus lived, died, and resurrected, because he did everything that I needed to do, he earned it for us. We're able to rest in the fact knowing that God loves us, that God forgives us, and that God has given us a new life with a new identity. God's like, he sees us as he sees Jesus. 
Like if you truly grasp that one concept, that will change the way that you live your life. God sees you as he sees his son, Jesus. That does not create in me the need to want to go and hide from him. No, if he sees me as he sees his son, Jesus, that means I want to be in his presence all the more because of what he has given Jesus, the love that he's poured out to Jesus, the, the, the acceptance that he has over Jesus. I want that from God. And so because he sees me that way, I'm going to run to him in order to, to experience the joy of those things that he gives to each one of us. And then we go in, we, we have a time of, of music where we sing songs. And so like this doesn't have to be the only time of, of the week in which you have a time of worship, where you have a, a time of music. No, sing songs on a daily basis. Create a, a worship playlist, whether you use Spotify or Pandora or, or just the, the old iPod, like whatever it is, create worship so that you can sing praises to him on a daily basis. We have times in which we read the word together because that is an act of worship. We, we have times in which we pray together because praying to God is us showing the need we have of him. And then we open up his word because that's his communication back to us is, here's my word. Here's what I've said that I'm going to do and he's faithful to do it. We'll at the end have a time of communion. The, the, the purpose of communion is not to give you a snack to hold you over to lunch. Like the purpose of communion is simply for us to sit back and remember his sacrifice. Remember he, his body broken for you and his blood shed for you. That creates the opportunity for us to come into a worshiping relationship with him and him alone. And then we close out the service with a commission, which is a go and love and celebrate and share all that you're experiencing in your relationship with God. Go and love and celebrate and share that with those who you interact with on a daily basis. We send you out. We commission you out. And on a daily basis, you are sent out and commissioned to be disciples to be the ministers of reconciliation, to be the ones who are taking the word to other people so that they can come in and experience the true satisfaction that they're actually looking for. They get to experience in God and their relationship with him through Christ and what he's done. And so the way I want to close out is by coming to this time of communion. And there's going to be a couple of stations. We'll have a station um, right over here under the exit sign and another station down here in the front. The reason why we finish with communion is because it's the table. It's the invitation of God saying, come and remember what I've done for you in the life of Jesus. Guys, remember, like he lived the, the perfect life that you and I could not live. Like some of you think this week that you're going to nail it in evangelizing, that you're going to nail it in passing out flyers, that you're going to nail it in, in, in whatever it is that you think you might be able to do. And the realization is you don't have to do it perfectly because Jesus has already done it perfectly for you. So we rest and trust in his life as we live out the design of his life. As we share the gospel, we get to experience the fact that, you know what, this isn't based on my intellect. It's not based on how, how smart I am, how crafty I am with my words. Like, I don't have to convince someone to come to know Christ. 
what I get to do is just share with them, like, this is what, this is what Christ has done for you. Like, you're looking in this life in all things. Like, you're loving, you're celebrating, you're sharing. You're, you're worshiping something that's not satisfying you fully. But we worship a God who we get to experience His grace. We get to experience His joy. We get to experience His fullness that satisfies our, our, our lives. It satisfies the void in our hearts. And because it satisfies us, we now get to enjoy all of God's creation, not expecting it to, to be that full satisfaction. Rather, we get to just enjoy it for what it is. And at the end of the day, say, God is good. God is good. God is good. And so this table reminds us of what he was willing to do to come to this earth and to live the life we could not live, to die the death that we deserved, and to resurrect three days later, guaranteeing and promising for us a new life to live in. A new life that, that we have full hope and assurance that does not end with what we see daily, but we know ends in eternity with Him. That's where we get to place our hope. As we take communion, one of the things we always want to mention too is communion is for the family of God. It's for the church of God. There's, there's nothing magical. It's some bread that we bought at a store and it's grape juice. Like there's, there's nothing magical about this stuff that's going to make you holier. Like there's nothing about this that's going to all of a sudden make you a believer. Rather, this is for the family to just remember this is who Christ is. And so if you, if you don't profess to be a believer, if you don't profess to be a Christian who is remembering what Christ has done for you, then we ask that you just stay in your seats. We invite you to also come and talk with us about what that looks like to enter into a relationship with him. But for the time being, we ask that you just remain in your seats as, again, this is a, this is a time for the family of God to partake and remember all that he has done for us. There are two stations. There's a gluten-free, if you are gluten-free, um, and then there's also a station that is, that is regular. Again, they're going to be over here. Um, the top will come down, grab the bread, um, partake of it as you are going back up to your seats. And from here, we'll go over and then wrap back around to here. So use the middle section to, to move to the left, your right. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, we're going to enter into a time of communion. Father, we love you. We are so thankful for your grace and your mercy that you pour out. That's created the opportunity for us to worship rightly. Because it's not a question whether or not we worship. We all worship something. But because of your grace, because of the gospel, we're able to worship you and you alone. God, God this is a time in which we come to the table of communion. And as we eat the bread, let us remember your body broken for each one of us. And, the, and the, the juice is the blood shed from the cross that washes away our sins. God, you are so good. You are so gracious. You are so merciful. Thank you so much for your love. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.